This is Come and See by Father Ron Baird for March 6th, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. This morning's Gospel lesson, we have the story of the Transfiguration. I think it may be the most commonly read scripture. Seems like we read this a lot, doesn't it? No, we do it at least twice a year. Um, it's still, though, a fascinating story because there are so many different facets to it. Again, the, the context of this is if you remember, Jesus had been to Caesarea Philippi with his disciples, and that's where he said, who do men say that I am? And it was Peter who confessed that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus then renamed um, Simon, uh, Kephas, which means Peter, the rock. And then right after that, Jesus tells him about how he must now go to Jerusalem where he will be arrested and tortured and killed um, and on the third day rise again. And Peter rebukes him saying, God forbid, Lord, that'll never happen to you. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So Peter has gone from this wonderful ecstatic experience of, of being the one who recognized who Jesus was to being called evil um, by this very Lord and Master that he had seen to now six days later um, being asked by Jesus to go with two other disciples, James and John, they were his closest friends, and to go up to the top of the mountain. And they go up to the top of the mountain. Now that wasn't a really all that unusual thing. Jesus very frequently pulled off by himself, um, either all alone uh, to pray. Occasionally, he would take just a few people, usually Peter, James, and John with him um, to pray with him. If you recall, this is what was going on in the Garden of Gethsemane um, when Jesus was arrested. And so they get to the top of the mountain, and they're praying, and suddenly Peter sees that things are different. Suddenly, Jesus has, is, has been transfigured, transformed. Uh, the word in the Greek is metamorphosis. We know the word metamorphize uh, to change. Butterflies do it um, from, from caterpillars. But Jesus has changed, and his clothes are a dazzling whiteness as his face shone like the sun. You remember anyone else from the Old Testament whose face shone like the sun? Moses did, didn't he, when he came down off of the mountain from being in the presence of God. And so, and, and they see there Moses and Elijah, the very embodiment of the law and the prophets, you know, the very embodiment of, of Holy Scripture as they understood them. And, and Peter wants to make it permanent by building a, a temple, a, a booth, a tabernacle um, for each of them there. Um, and, and then suddenly it's all gone because there's this cloud that descends and and when the cloud descends, it's interesting. Did you notice the word it used for the cloud, the adjective? That's a great thing about Scripture. There's always these little things in there that when you go back, you can go, wow, I never noticed it. It says it was a bright cloud. What does a bright cloud look like? That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, when you, when you, hmm? It'd be white instead of gray. Must have been some sort of light, kind of reflecting, shining something off of it. 
occasionally if you're in a in a in a jet up above the clouds you can look down and they look bright because the sun's shining right down them i generally get the same view of it from down here but such a different kind of notion what what is this about his clothes were changed dazzling white and his face shone uh, like the sun and, and you have a bright cloud these phrases are called a theophany big church word right Theophany means a manifestation of God. The presence of God has become clear to people. That's really what's going on here. Suddenly, they know that they're in the presence of the Almighty Creator of the universe. And a voice comes and says, This is my Son, my Beloved. I'm well pleased with Him. And then it tells Peter and James and John a very important thing. It says, Listen to him. You recall another time when a voice from heaven said, listen to him. He was baptized. Seems to be a recurring theme, doesn't it? Makes you wonder why it is that you have to keep saying, why does God have to keep saying, listen to him? Well, have you ever heard anybody say, how many of you all said more than once, listen to your mother? Or listen to your father. Human beings, we tend to forget these things, don't we? We have to be reminded of what's going on. And that's really sort of the, the crux of what, what's going on here, is this listen to him. And they go back down the mountain, and Jesus says, don't tell anybody about this until after I've been crucified. But that listen to him stands out today. One of the great problems in the church today is that too many people spend too much time trying to figure out what it was that Jesus said 2,000 years ago. Too many people spend too much time trying to interpret what Jesus said 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago, depending on the Scripture. Very few people spend as much time listening to what Jesus is saying now. Because that's really the issue, isn't it? When you say, listen to your mother, are you referring to what she said 10 years ago? No. Now, would that mean that you're trying to contradict what she was saying 10 years ago? No, but it, it's also saying she's not dead. I mean, she's talking to you now. Listen to what she's saying. It's the same thing for us in the church today. All too often what we do is we take the Bible and make it into sort of a, a manual that, you know, you even heard it, life's answer book. Have you ever heard that phrase for the Bible? Well, the problem with that is it sort of implies that all the answers are there, they're in code, you just have to figure it out. And ultimately, to figure it out, that leaves it up to your own interpretation, doesn't it? You have to sort through it and figure out, okay, what does this mean? What does that mean? What's the context? What are all these things going on here? And if that's really what the faith is about, then what did Peter mean when he said, no, Scripture is subject to an individual's interpretation, but rather it was God-breathed, divinely inspired? What does it mean if someone wrote something that was divinely inspired? Hmm? 
they listened. Yeah, somebody was saying something and they went, oh, yeah, that's... It's interesting. It doesn't say divinely dictated, which would be different, but inspired, inspirited. The Spirit came upon these people and they wrote. And it was the, the voice of, of, of the people who were listening to God. It helps immensely in understanding the voice of Jesus today. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the Scripture tells us. So it's not that it's unimportant. It's very important. But it's important so that we can get to know Him better, so that we can listen to Him now. Now all that begs the question, so how do we listen to the voice of Jesus? You know, what does the voice of Jesus sound like? Has He got a deep baritone? Is He more of a tenor? How, how do you know if it's Jesus talking to you? That's the great dilemma for the church, isn't it? How do I know what Jesus is saying? Particularly in an age where the church isn't at all unified on what Jesus is saying. There's so many different churches and so many different denominations, and they make sometimes completely polar, polar opposite claims as to what Jesus is actually saying. So how is anyone to know? Well, part of the way you know is by knowing Him. When you know someone well enough and somebody comes up to you and says, so-and-so, you know, this person said this to me. If you know that that person well, you might think, there's no way they would have, they never say anything like that. That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even sound like them. How can that be them? It's not consistent. You'd have to check it out, wouldn't you? So Scripture is important in, in helping us to understand the, how we hear the voice of Jesus. But it's not the end. It's important to understand the consistency that Jesus brings, but it's not even the goal. The goal was what Jeremiah prophesied long ago when he said, I will write my law in your hearts. No longer will you have to teach your children enough and enough. The, the goal is what the prophet said when Isaiah said when he said, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. We don't have to depend upon someone else's word, someone else's teachings, solely for what it is that we are to do, because we will be with God, and God will be with us. And so we have to learn how to listen to the voice of Jesus. Well, listening requires some skills, doesn't it? Anybody here know someone who doesn't listen well? There are a lot of people in the world don't listen well. Sometimes you can't get a word in edgewise. You know, you, you, every time you open your mouth, the conversation just continues on, and you, you finally give up. Listening requires some real participation. What does it take to be a good listener? Shut your mouth. Yes. Patience. Focus. Ask questions. You have to really make an effort to understand, don't you? Because you may hear words, but do they really make sense in the context? Are you getting the body language? Are you getting the feeling content of it? I mean, because you can say the exact same sentence in two different ways, and um, it can mean two different things, can't it? Yeah, you can say, I love you, honey. Or you can say, yeah, I love you. 
Well, one of them said, I love you. One sounds a bit angry about it, but, <laughs> you know. But we can say the same words and mean very different things by it. So it takes attentiveness. Because we're patience and all those things come right. Attentiveness. What else does it take? You ever been in a restaurant that, that has like really loud music and a lot of people in it who are trying to make sure they can be heard over the really loud music? And, and as you're sitting in a booth across from somebody, you, you can, can talk to them, you can see. You have no idea what they're saying. You see their lips move, but you can't distinguish that sound from all the sounds around you. That's often what the world we live in is like. We can't hear the voice of Jesus because never quiet enough to hear it. You know, we aren't able to focus on it. You know, we have the radios on in our car. You have a GPS, it talks to you. You have passengers, they talk to you. You got a cell phone, you know, you may be on the phone talking to someone. People even have DVDs in their car now. Um, I don't know how you watch a DVD if you're driving. I'm always hoping that those people aren't doing that. But, and, and apparently, some people seem to think it's important to text message people while they're driving. Which I always find amazing that anybody's even able to do that. Um, I know I couldn't. <laughs> it would be, I'm not sure I could text message if I wasn't driving very well, but much less if I was. And where does God get a word in edgewise and all this? Even in our prayers, all too often, we, we tend to think of prayers as what we see in the prayer book, which are formal prayers that were written out that were meant to contain particular meaning. And, and they're good in their purpose, but if all of our prayers are simply reciting things to God or simply even telling God something, how will we ever hear anything? You know, all, if all that we ever do is want to come home and tell our wife and kids or whatever that, you know, tell them all about my day. Here's what I did, here's what I did, here's what I did, here's what I did, here's what I did. And then when they start to go, well, you know, today, yeah, whatever. I've got to go do this now. How would we ever expect to know them? We wouldn't. And so it takes real attentiveness to begin to, hear the voice of Jesus and to learn that what his voice sounds like. You know, when a baby is in utero, um, one of the things they tell you now is that you should talk to the baby. Even in the womb, talk to the baby. Seems a little strange, actually, but, but I mean, I did this with John, but, but it's a little odd talking to a stomach. Um, but they say talk to the baby, and the reason why they say talk to the baby is because the baby does hear things. And when the baby is born, there are voices that the baby recognizes automatically. And they can tell by the reaction that the baby will get when the mother, you know, who might talk to the baby or the father who talks to the baby begins to speak. The baby takes notice. Like, oh, that's something I know. Part of it is familiarity. But that always leads to that difficult thing, isn't it? Well, if God's telling me to do how do I know it's really God? telling me to do something. That's everybody's question. How do I know that it's not just my imagination or my wishful thinking or my own desires? How do I know that? Well, that's why it's important to be with mature Christians, to share with mature Christians. 
it's really the reason why we talk about you know small groups, life groups. It's, it's not because somehow or other that's sort of the end all of Christianity. It's because that gives you a place to say, here's what I've been hearing from the Lord this week. What do you think about that? Does that sound plausible to you? You know, I was I was praying the other day and and I, I thought I heard Jesus say, you know, put down all of your 401k, you know, cash it in and go buy lottery tickets. Does that sound right to you? Or I think the Lord wants me to quit my job and go back to school. Does that sound right to you? Does that make sense? Because all too often, we're not sure, are we? We'd like to believe that it's the Lord, or we're terrified that it's the Lord, but we don't really know. Now, I have to be honest with you, simply joining a small group doesn't guarantee you'll get that. And if you're in a small group, I'm going to challenge you to think about how many times does your group ever actually talk with anybody about what the Lord is saying? And if you've gone a long time and nobody's even brought up anything that the Lord might be saying to them about all this, then you kind of have to ask yourself, is the Lord really just not speaking to us? Or are we just not sharing it? Or are we so self-centered you know, and concerned that, that we already know the answer? We don't need other people to help us with it. You see, that's what the life groups really ought to be about, is a way to help us discern. Who is this Jesus? Because presumably we are gathering around with other people who also are trying to get to know him better and understand him better. And it's in the sharing of those experiences that we begin to have a common uh, thread. One of the things I tell people who are young when they say, well, how would you know who the right person to marry is? You know, when, when they're not dating anyone. And, and I, if they're dating someone, they're in love, it's too late anyway. But, but if, if they're not dating, I say, look at how they are with their family. How do they talk to their family? That will tell you a lot. Because they take their family for granted. Their family's their family. They, they, they're just there. But are they condescending, demeaning? Are they polite? You know, do they try to listen? Because the way that they treat their family is, is the best barometer, not 100%, but it's the best barometer for how they are actually going to treat you. And if you see a real dichotomy there, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not going to work, but it's a question. <laughs> you know, why do you treat them like that? Why do you ignore them like that? How do I know that you won't ignore me? It's the same thing with the Lord, that when we spend time saying to people, this crazy idea came to me this week, and, and I don't know if it's from the Lord or not. It's just kind of there, and it hadn't gone away, so I just want to throw it out there and see what you all think. And then you talk about it. And if they're truly mature Christians, they don't give you the answer. They tell you about their own experience and, and how that might fit in with the way they've experienced talking to the Lord. But it's in that sharing that we come to more certainly know His voice. And, and it's been an interesting thing in my own journey over the years as I've gotten to places I can run into somebody who I've not known before and we can be talking and 
you know, talking about church and stuff, and then we can start talking about how the Lord's moving in our life or something. I run in a lot of church circles, so it comes up. But and I can tell. I said they know that guy. They know Jesus. I know they know Jesus because I can tell by the way they're talking about him. They, you know, they're familiar with him. They know what he's like. Just like if you have you ever run into somebody who you find that's really good friends with a, a friend of yours and you didn't even know they knew each other. You, know, you can tell by, do they know? Well, the goal to listening to Jesus is pretty much the same. And if we become adept at doing that, if we really get good at it, what it enables us to do is not just depend on what was said 2,000 years ago, but to wait to hear from a voice from the Lord today, to know what it is that we are to do because we are in communication with the Lord in the moment of each and every day, of being, you won't need clergy to tell you what the Lord wants you to do. You won't need a book to explain it to you because you'll hear with your own you know, soul's ears what it is that he wants you to do. And it's a great comforting feeling to know that the Lord God, King of the universe, is actually listening and talking and involved in even the most mundane parts of your life and actually cares. Takes a little work, takes a little risk, takes a little searching, but ultimately, it all has to do with the same thing that happened on that mountain. And the voice from the bright cloud said, this is my son, my beloved one, with whom I am well pleased. Listen. Listen to him. Are you listening? Can you hear him? Do you check that out with other people? Because if not, you're pretty much like the blind leading the blind. And ultimately, you fall into a ditch. But if you listen, he will guide your path step by step through whatever foils may confront you until you finally arrive at his heavenly kingdom. And you too will hear, this is my son, this is my daughter, my beloved. I am well pleased. Amen. You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.